You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Let us open Holy Scripture together. We turn this afternoon to Hebrews chapter 10. We'll read the first 18 verses of Hebrews chapter 10. You'll notice above this particular chapter, there is, at least in my Bible, a heading. It's not inspired, but it's there for our guidance. Christ's sacrifice once for all. And we'll see that that point of the one great sacrifice of Jesus Christ also comes back in Lord's Day 25 that we will be dealing with this afternoon. So let us begin our reading then at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1, as we listen to the Word of God. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices, repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. If it could, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshippers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. Now, those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins, because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll, I have come to do your will, O God. First, he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, although the law required them to be made. Then he said, here I am, I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool, because by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says, This is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. I preach to you this afternoon from the word of our God as the church confesses and summarizes this in Lord's Day 25. Last Sunday we dealt with the first question, question and answer 65 of this Lord's Day. And this time we turn to the last three questions and answer beginning at 66. Lord's Day 25, 66, what are the sacraments? And then you have a summary of biblical data which reads as follows. The sacraments are holy visible signs and seals. 
They were instituted by God so that by their use he might the more fully declare and seal to us the promise of the gospel. And this is the promise that God graciously grants us forgiveness of sins and everlasting life because of the one sacrifice of Christ accomplished on the cross. Are both the word and the sacraments then intended to focus our faith on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross as the only ground of our salvation? Yes, indeed. The Holy Spirit teaches us in the gospel and assures us by the sacraments that our entire salvation rests on Christ's one sacrifice for us on the cross. How many sacraments has Christ instituted in the new covenant? Two, holy baptism and the Holy Supper thus far. Beloved congregation of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ, as we go through this life, there are always those times when we question why we do certain things or bother with certain routines or even people. For example, why do I... Or maybe better yet, why does my wife bother to weed the garden when every week the weeds come back again? Why do I bother to wash my car when every week again after I take it out on the road I can clean it again? Or why do I bother to have contact with this or that particular person because I know every time I do there's going to be controversy? So why bother? Yes, and that's now also the type of question that people sometimes ask when it comes to the sacraments. Believers have a history of fighting about whether or not there is, for example, power in the sacraments. Can they really work faith in us, yes or no? Can baptism really remove our original sin? Does the Lord's Supper really teach that Christ is physically in us? And you know, if believers are not fighting about sacramental power, then we're often squabbling about their number. Are there no sacraments, as the Quakers and the Salvation Army insist? Are there seven sacraments, as the Roman Catholic Church teaches? Is there two, as we and so many other Protestant churches believe? And then, beloved, if it's not about sacramental power and sacramental numbers, then it's probably a controversy about sacramental participants. That's the latest. Is baptism for children or only for adults? Is the Lord's Supper only for adults and not children? You see, arguments, arguments, and more arguments. Church history is full of sacramental controversy. It's always been that way, and it's still that way today, and the future holds out little hope that in this life it'll ever be any different. And the result of all of that, beloved, is that some people grow tired and disillusioned and fed up, and they wonder whether we would perhaps not be better off without them. Let's just stick to the gospel and forget about the sacraments. Now, beloved, is that an option? Well, in truth, it is not. As discouraged as we may get about all of these debates and disagreements surrounding the sacraments, we cannot simply 
set them aside. We need to continue to administer them and to participate in them. We need to maintain them. But why, you ask? Why bother with sacraments? That's our theme this afternoon. And the answer is, we do so because God has instituted them. And secondly, Christ is at the center of them. And finally, we as believers stand in need of them. Well, beloved, last time we began our treatment of Lord's Day 25 with a close look at question and answer 65. You might say, in a way, in a manner of speaking, we mind its riches, we mind the riches in the question as well as in the answer. But with respect to question 65, we stop to consider this priceless faith of ours, as we called it, this faith that makes us share in Christ and all his benefits. And with respect to answer 65, we saw how this faith is also divine, that it is worked in us through the power and agency of the Holy Spirit. And also with respect to answer 65, we noted how the Spirit continually grows and fertilizes this faith by the preaching of the gospel and the use or the administration of the sacraments. And so, beloved, there's a lot of biblical content in this question and answer 65 of Lord's Day 25. But now, beloved, as we continue on in this Lord's Day this afternoon, we see that this content does not just stop coming our way. For look now at question and answer 66. It asks, what are the sacraments? That word comes to the fore here in a sense, for the first time. The Catechism specifically uses the word sacraments and it asks, what are the sacraments? Now, you may not be aware of this, but there is some controversy here about this very word, sacraments. If you read a number of the popular and more recent studies in theology, you will see that some of the writers prefer another term. They have coined the term ordinances. But then one of them also adds, it doesn't seem that any significant point is at issue here. So they want to use the word ordinances. There's no issue here. But still they have a preference. The preference is stop talking about sacraments and let's all talk about ordinances. So what's in a word? Does it really make any difference or not? Well, I think it does. As well, a recent and very noteworthy study written by James Brownson says that it does. Now, actually, Brownson's study is all about baptism. However, before he gets specific, he, he first of all introduces more broadly the whole subject of sacraments. And in the process, he highlights the fact that it makes all of the difference how you view your baptism and the Lord's Supper. If you treat them and view them as ordinances, you will approach them in one way. If you view them as sacraments, you will approach them in quite a a different way. 
So what are these ways and in what ways do they differ? Well, beloved, if you look for a moment at your liturgy sheet, which was given to you this morning and some of you perhaps this afternoon, you see there's a chart there, so to speak. And if you look to at the second line, the one that reads under the word ordinance, our promise to God, and the one that reads under the word sacraments, God's promise to us. Already in that second line, and you can read that further, but already there you can start to see the difference. For those who define baptism and Lord's Supper as ordinances, regard them as representing, as indicating our promise, our reaction, our human response to God. An ordinance deals primarily with what we do. It's all about what God has done for us in the past and what we are about to do for him today. In other words, here, human reaction and reception is first and foremost. But now look at the word sacrament. What does it represent? It represents God's promise to us. You see, its primary focus is on God. And especially it highlights God's grace to us and uses it as a call to future obedience. Quite simply, you can say that when it comes to the word sacrament, the emphasis is on what God does, what God promises, what God conveys to us. In other words, here, God is first and foremost. Yes, beloved, and the Catechism has understood this distinction very well. For what does it say about sacraments? It says they're holy, visible signs and seals, and it adds that these signs and seals were instituted by God. In other words, in the sacraments, God is coming to his children with his special signs and seals. First, he comes with his signs. The signs, of course, are water, bread, and wine. In the case of each of these elements, God is signifying something to us. He is sending us a message. He is painting, as it were, a picture. He is drawing our attention to something. But God, in addition to coming to us with his signs, also comes to us with his seals. And what are seals? Well, they're marks and emblems of authentication. In the ancient world, important documents were often imprinted with a wax symbol. And this was a way of proving their legality. A reliability. In that connection, June is traditionally graduation month for elementary and secondary school students here in British Columbia. But how does a student prove to others that he or she has really graduated? Why, you can say they take out their diplomas and they wave them around. 
But then, of course, there's always a smart aleck in the class who says, oh, I have a computer and a color printer at home. Anyone can manufacture a diploma today. True enough. But you know, that's why real diplomas have seals. In some cases, they even still have wax seals. You see, a seal proves that this document, this something is for real. And so, beloved, we can say that sacraments are all about God and the signs and the seals that He gives to us. And, and biblically speaking, that's not hard to prove at all. Who tells us to eat and drink in remembrance of Him? Is it not the Lord Jesus Himself in Matthew 26 and Mark 14 and Luke 22 and John 13? And who tells us to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them into the name of the triune God? Again, is it not the Lord Jesus? And consider also Acts 22 or 1 Corinthians 12 or Romans 6, and you will see that time and time again it is God who comes to us speaking about washing us, baptizing us, feeding us, uniting us. That's what he will do. Truly, beloved, these ceremonies are called sacraments because they come from God and they speak about God's grace to us and God's cleansing of us and God's communion with us. And I would say to you, because of all of that, we need to bother with them. You know, if these ceremonies were just ordinances which outline our human response to the gifts and the grace of God, then perhaps they could be ignored. But seeing that they are instituted by God, that they come from God, that they speak about God's grace, they cannot be bypassed. They have meaning and significance precisely because God gives it to them. And hence we need to bother with them. But then, beloved, if we need to bother with the sacraments because God has invented them, we also need to bother with them for another reason. And what reason is that? Well, again, the Catechism is a great teacher here. Look, for example, at answer 66 again. It says that sacraments, the sacraments we've been speaking about, were instituted by God so that by their use He might the more fully declare and seal to us the promise of the gospel. Now you need to read that carefully. What do the sacraments signify and seal? Well, they signify and seal the promise of the gospel. And note that expression, the promise of the gospel, or otherwise also the word promise. It, it comes back here time and time again in questions and answers 66, 69, 71, 74, 77. And what they do is they highlight the fact that sacraments are all about promises. They're all about the promises of God to us. 
Or if you want to put it another way, you can say they're all about one big, huge, humongous, central, foundational, fundamental promise. And what is that promise all about? It's about Christ. It's about the one sacrifice of Christ that we read about in Hebrews 10. It's about Christ on the cross. Yes, and it's about everything that follows and that flows to us. Thanks to the work of the crucified Christ. And if you ask, what is that? Well, notice the Catechism summarizes it all in two expressions. The forgiveness of sins and everlasting life. You know that expression, the forgiveness of sins, is here meant to be kind of a catch-all expression. It captures everything that has to do with our election, regeneration, repentance, conversion, faith, and righteousness. And at the same time, that expression, everlasting life, is an expression that has everything to do with our sanctification, the new life in Christ. A new body, a transformed soul, an eternal future, a new heaven, and a new earth. The point is, beloved, that all this spiritual bounty of the gospel is tied to what Christ has done on the cross. He and He alone, the Catechism is summarizing according to the Scriptures, has opened the floodgates of God's innumerable, unfathomable blessings. He alone is the door and the key and the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. And so it is, beloved, that in the sacraments, in the sacraments you can say it is Christ who comes to us. It is the crucified Christ who is presented to us. It is the saving work of Christ that is depicted before us. It is the grace of Christ that has worked in us. Well, when the sacraments are approached in this way, who of us would dare to say that we cannot be bothered with them? In a sense, to reject the sacraments is to reject Christ. So, beloved, we need to bother with them But you know, at the same time, we need to bother with them in a special way. And if you ask, what way? Well, in the way of of faith. Or ask you, what are God's people supposed to do with all these promises? When a father promises to take his son to a hockey game, or a mother promises to take her daughter to a special concert, what's a son or a daughter supposed to do? What are those who are on the receiving end of good, fitting, exciting, attractive, stunning promises supposed to do? Are they not supposed to accept them? To get excited about them? And even to tell all their friends about them? Isn't that normally what you do with promises that blow you away? No, 
is that not what God expects as well? Here he comes to you and to I with the greatest, most sublime, the richest promises in all the world. He comes to us with promises that are all about forgiveness and about life. He comes to us with promises that flow from Jesus Christ and his redeeming work. And what does he expect? He expects that we will embrace them, take them to heart, run with them, talk about them, rejoice in them. In other words, what God wants in terms of a response to his promises from us is called faith. Question 67 asks, are both the word and the sacraments then intended to focus our faith on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross? That's the only ground of our salvation. Notice the language. The word and the sacrament, it is saying, are all about faith. They call on us to focus our faith. They lead us to believe in the crucified Christ. And they bring home the realization that he really and truly is the one and only way. And so, beloved, when you think about sacraments, think, think Christ. But also do more than think, perhaps, also ask. Ask yourself, is my faith really focused on Christ? Is he truly at the heart and the center of all that I believe and all that I confess? Is he the one who drives my love, my commitment, my purpose, my life? Is he at the bottom of my joy and my hope? Beloved, bother with the sacraments because of Christ. Yes, and bother with them also because, because Christ knows you. In the Gospels, there is recounted an incident in which the Lord Jesus Christ likens himself to a doctor. And he says there, he has not come to minister to the strong the healthy, or the robust. But rather he has come to this earth to minister to the struggling, the burdened, the sick, and the oppressed. Now here are some questions for you. Just how does Dr. Jesus Christ do this? What kind of medicine does he prescribe for us? What sort of treatment does he recommend? Well, you can say that Dr. Jesus has different medicines and treatments in his medicine bag. There is the medicine of preaching, which is meant to bring about repentance and faith in our lives. There is the medicine of the Holy Spirit who comes and stands beside us to remind us, convict us, and change us. 
There is the medicine of the elders of the church who are there to hold you and I accountable to our confession. Truly, there's all sorts of medicine in that medicine bag. But you know, there's also the medicine of the sacraments. Our great physician knows better than anyone else that we often have identity problems in the sense that sometimes we don't know who we really are or what we're really worth. And so through the sacraments, he reminds us that we are children of the Heavenly Father. And our great physician also knows that sometimes we struggle with guilt and with a burdened conscience. So through baptism, he assures us that we have been forgiven thanks to the work of the Son. And our great physician knows too that our lives are often filled with doubts and uncertainties. And so through baptism, he sends us the Holy Spirit who convicts us and convinces us and fills us with certainty and with hope. But then too, beloved life, this life can be long and it can be hard. And at times we feel ourselves losing the battle, the will, and the drive to go on. When our lives are filled with pain and sickness, sadness, sorrow, conflict and tension, then we're tempted to give up and to give in. And you know, at such times, our doctor, Jesus Christ, has more medicine at his disposal. He sits us down for a meal with him. A meal in which he portrays before our eyes, places on our lips, speaks into our ears, holds before our noses, puts into our hands the tokens of his grace. And then he speaks to us of the great son who knows all about the struggles of our lives and has borne them and conquered them and who now lives to share his victory with us. Truly, beloved, the sacraments, they come from God. They're filled to overflowing with Christ. And in the end, And that's the real miracle. They're given to us. Given to build us up in the gift of salvation and in the hope of eternal life. You see, we need to bother with them. We need to bother with them because we need them. And thankfully, God knows this, and he keeps on giving them to us. And so how truly, truly blessed we are. Let's pray. Almighty God, we come before you, and we praise you once again. And we thank you, Father, for the sacraments that you have given to us.
to your church. We thank you for these signs and seals. We thank you that these signs and seals point us to the promise of the gospel, which is Jesus Christ crucified. And Father, we pray that you would use these signs and seals in our lives to remind us, to assure us, to convince us, to strengthen us, to help us as we continue to travel through this life into the life to come. Father, would you so hear us and be with us in Christ. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.